Welcome everybody to Valley. So glad you guys are here. It's always good to gather with one another, open up God's word, see what he has to say for us uh, tonight. So um, we're not going to be in Matthew. Ooh, okay. I thought about making a joke, like turn to Matthew, but no, we're not, we're not going there. It uh, has been a wonderful time studying that entire uh, book. And honestly, I really think in the many years that I've followed Jesus and a lot of people in the room who have followed Jesus many years longer than I have, it's uh, not quite an experience I've ever had before to say, yeah, I spent the last three years studying this one gospel, but in a really rich way. So this, uh, it, there's so many things um, that I know will just continue to influence us as we consider kingdom living in light of everything that Jesus did and how we follow him because of it. But tonight, um, we're going to switch gears and we're going to read through Psalm 1 together. And, uh, you know, this psalm is not complex. It's not difficult to understand. Tonight, I just want to be able to read it. We'll spend a little bit of time talking through the different pieces of it. But really what I want to do tonight is just just kind of ponder it. Uh, consider the different implications for our own life. Uh, let the Lord maybe convict us. Let us uh, speak to us tonight. And I think it's going to be really rich. I, this is a really wonderful, beautiful psalm. So there's a lot to it. So would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Lord, we always thank you for your word. And we thank you that you revealed yourself to us through this book, that we can see you through your son, Jesus, and that we can see you through all the rest of the pages as well, even the books of poetry. And the words on this page, Lord, I ask that they would be illuminated. I ask they would stand out. I ask that we would learn something, that we would interact with you tonight. Thank you for your grace, that we can even approach you tonight and uh, receive what you have to say. In your name, amen. All right, so um, just in case you haven't studied the Psalms or know much about the Psalms, just a couple notes about Psalms in general before we open up Psalm 1. You know, they oftentimes were sung or offered as prayers, so a lot of times, you know, the songs that we sing are based off of Psalms or you'll uh, maybe learn a song and then read a psalm and then be like, oh, that's where that came from. <laughs> There's a lot of crossover because that's how it was intended. You're obviously going to have a lot of poetic literature, a lot of analogies that, you know, you don't always want to take a psalm super literally, but you understand that this, these are literal um, uh, literature devices that we can just know God and connect with God in different ways rather than a narrative text. Uh, you know, it also just gives us a glimpse into the lives and perspectives of a lot of these Old Testament authors. Things like, how did they pray? How did they lament? What were things that they struggled with? How did they respond to trials or attacks? And how did they delight in the Lord? And how did they worship him? Which I think actually gives us some permission as we apply it to ourselves of how we can respond in a lot of those instances as well. How can we take our emotions and rather than think, I'm not allowed to be angry at God, you can go to a psalm and see someone who was angry with God and then realize, 
great. <laughs> I can have those feelings too, and that's okay. It's okay to bring those emotions to the Lord. And so really, these psalms are kind of like verbal art. I mean, they're very beautiful. Some of them are just very poetic and very interesting to study. And a lot of times in a psalm, there's maybe a line or two lines where it will say something, and then the next line will maybe explain what the first few lines said, or it will deepen what the first few lines said, and maybe it will change something slightly to actually expand what the main point is or maybe it'll contrast two things. And so it's when you just read it a little closer that you realize the different patterns of these different psalms. So like I said, we won't spend too much time reading the text. I really wanna just um, consider a lot of things that we can uh, learn from our text tonight. And the passage talks about meditation, so we'll practice that. We'll, we'll ponder and we'll meditate on what it has. So if you will, Psalm 1. Let's read it together. How blessed of the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, the word blessed here, there's lots of times that we see the word blessed, blessed, and really this word could mean lots of things. I think um, some common ways it could be translated is it's um, like this man is under God's blessing, he's happy, he's fulfilled, um, he's maybe intrinsically right, you know, this man and how he walks, this is the right way. It could be all of the above, but this blessing and happiness is just these byproducts of what it looks like to walk faithfully with Jesus. And then the second part of verse one, this man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, this is where, you know, we read scripture over and over again, we consider it in ways we hadn't before. There's a pattern here where this line is actually repeated. It's different forms of how you're interacting with wicked, wicked people or sin. We have walk, we have stand, and then we have sit. So at the very least, this author is just covering their bases. Don't do any of those things. <laughs> Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand or even sit in the seat of scoffers. Um, but you could also think of it kind of as this progression. You know, at first someone's walking, and then they're standing, and then they're sitting. You have someone who maybe is just walking by wickedness, and maybe you just keep walking, and you walk right past it. But then maybe the next time, you kind of, you walk past it, but then maybe you stand there. But, but maybe you don't sit down, you're just standing. But then that last time, you actually sit, you actually dwell in it, you establish yourself in it. So there's just this pattern here of what the blessed man does not do. He does not do these things. 
And so this just requires, you know, a level of attention when you're around the way of the world, wicked ways. In verse 2, but this man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So this law of the Lord is just the teaching, the teaching of the scriptures. In Proverbs 3, 1, we have an example of a father speaking to a son, and he's saying these wise words. I'm giving you this wisdom. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. We see that lots of times in scriptures. Keep the Lord's commandments. Write it on your heart. Remember these things. And also in Joshua 1, um, Moses, in this passage, Moses has died, and now Joshua is getting ready to lead the Israelites. And so the Lord is just giving him some instruction. So just read with me a couple of verses, Joshua 1, 7 through 9. So the Lord is saying to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from you or your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may, make, so that you may be careful to do according to all that it is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So in the Lord's mind, a marker of a good leader, someone who can lead Israel, follow my law. Remember it, meditate on it day and night. This act of faithful obedience is connected to this exercise of delighting in God's scripture. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, but in verse three, the psalm continues, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. This blessed man is now in a garden. Interesting, a tree, tree language. He will be like a tree. Okay, write that down. Blessed man equals tree. Um, this language, of course, you know, whenever you hear tree or water streams, you know, of course, you're thinking of Genesis, of the garden. Uh, this blessed man he's planted, or maybe even transplanted, you know, like we're grafted in uh, to the family of God, into this flourishing space. Uh, this person can bring forth fruit because it's tapped into the source of life. And again, we'll talk more about what this means for us, but just imagine a tree. I feel like anytime we're talking about gardens and trees, I'm always like, imagine it, because I can imagine it so clearly. A tree which is just um, rooted really deeply uh, by a river. I, what I often think of is in Sun River. Have any, any of you been to Sun River? Uh, wonderful place, Central Oregon. I love Sun River. It is one of my happy places. And there's a bike trail which goes uh, right along the river in Sun River. And like on a really hot day, and it's a long river loop, sometimes I just like, oh, I need a minute. I just want to take a break. And there's sometimes little uh, benches along that path. I just like to pull over on the side, sit down on the bench, and just look at the river. And just imagine the trees rooted right there, right along the river. Like, of course they're going to be growing. 
Of course, they're just, their roots are right into the water and they're getting all of the nourishment they need to just grow wonderfully and produce great, great fruit. So when you're just tapped into this best source of life, you will produce the best and the goodness uh, that this psalm is talking about. But then we contrast. So our first three verses talk about the blessed man and the last three verses talk about the wicked man. Verses, picking up again in verse four. But the wicked are not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So the wicked, they're led by the counsel of their own desires, their own way of thinking, what is right and wrong. This is kind of this antithesis, you know, if we're thinking of the garden again. The wicked man thinks, I know what's right and I know what's wrong, and I will be led by those things. Whereas the blessed man instead is the deeply rooted tree. And so this uh, wicked, they are like chaff. So I have a picture of chaff just in case you can't picture it. So this is the shell of like a seed or of wheat or something like that. So you can just imagine this, like if a pile of this was in your hand, all you would have to do is like barely sneeze in its direction and it's like, it's going everywhere. There's no um, strength, there's no sustenance to it. It's even like the leftover of what is something beneficial, like a wheat would be enriching and this is just like the extra, if you will. And so another way you can think about it is um, this is no longer attached to its source of life. You know, you have a fruit on a tree is growing and producing goodness and a leaf, it's not going to wither because it's attached to this tree, which is deeply rooted, but a chaff has been separated from that source of life and it is nothing. It's worthless. It just, (laughs) it just disappears, Uh, just so easily blows away. So then our psalm ends in verse six. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So this final comparison, instead of being blessed, they will perish. The Lord cares for and knows the way of the righteous, just like um, the righteous know the Lord. They know the voice of the Lord. Uh, But this is not the case with the wicked. So, like I said, we won't spend too much time in the passage. This is where I just want to consider Let's just pause and let's meditate. Um, I have three points for us that I want to talk through. The first one is be aware of how you linger with sin and linger with sinful people. Now, of course, it's important to remember that we need to bring God's kingdom into this world, uh, be in the world but not of the world. We know that we need to not completely separate ourselves from those who don't know the Lord. We need to do uh, the Great Commission, what Michael preached on last week, uh, bring the gospel to all nations, even our neighbors and our coworkers. Uh, So of course, this is not a remove yourself and only spend time with Christians, but just going back to that wisdom of do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of the sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. I just kind of think about the concept of How do you dwell? Um, Where do you dwell? Maybe how long do you dwell somewhere? Do we dwell near the river of life? Or maybe do we dwell 
in places in our lives or in our minds that we shouldn't dwell. Um, maybe we just dwell a little bit too long. <laughs> maybe, you know, you're walking or standing uh, near the wicked, um, but it's just kind of easy to just sit down for uh, maybe a little bit too long. Um, for instance, what happens when an inappropriate thought comes into your mind? Like envy for a life that a friend has, lust for someone who is not your spouse, jealousy that another person is better than you are or you think that they are, <laughs> or maybe just simply unkind thoughts towards another human who thinks differently than you do, what do you do? Do you dwell? Do you maybe play out the scenario more in your head, come up with just more ways to justify your thoughts and opinions. You're not just walking past the impure thought, but maybe you're standing in it or sitting in it. And of course, we know that the world is just trying to conform our minds in every single way. Everything that we consume, um, someone's trying to tell you how to think and what to think about something, someone will be quick to justify that impure thought and say, no, you do deserve that. You don't deserve how they're treating you, and they're trying to tear you down and break you apart. And in Romans 12, 1 through 2, a passage that we could come back to probably every single week if we needed to, therefore I urge you, brothers, in the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your, is your spiritual service, um, spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we know not to present ourselves uh, for wickedness, but we should present ourselves as a sacrifice for righteousness. But that key line not to conform, but to transform. Renew your minds. Renew your minds so that we don't feel this desire. It's easy to slip when our minds are bent towards the world and catered towards the world that we maybe dwell. We dwell a little longer, but we can overcome those things through that renewing of your mind. All right, point two. Meditate on scripture. So let's talk about scripture for a little bit. Uh, before you meditate on it, you need to read it. Uh, and once you read it, read it again. And then read it again. <laughs> Reading scripture is very good for you. Uh, psalm 19, another psalm, a very good one. Um, in verse seven, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. It restores, it refreshes, it brings peace to a worried and burdened heart. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It brings wisdom. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It offers joy. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Scripture enlightens, it clarifies, it brings certainty to our circumstances. Verse nine, the fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. Man, scripture stands the test of time. Verse 10, they are more desirable than gold. Yes, much, much more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Scripture is rich and sweet 
And it's more valuable than the most valuable thing that you've ever considered before. More valuable than gold. There was nothing more valuable than gold. <laughs> What's the most prized thing you can think of? It's more valuable than that. So my question, what does your consumption of the Bible look like right now? I don't know if it's daily reading or if in your season right now, you just cannot, <laughs> that's not in the cards for you. Um, with life, family, I understand there's so many challenges. There isn't one perfect cookie cutter way to um, consume scripture, if you will. Um, but maybe it's just little moments here and there that you can read God's word and it can reorient your heart, reorient your mind. Um, but my challenge for you, if you're not reading it, read it. And then read it again. <laughs> if you don't know where to start, some practical help, a download the Bible app. That's like a really good way to start. There's so many Bible plans. I looked today just as some examples, what are Bible plans on there? There's even just a three-day plan titled, Teach Us to Pray. Three days, just a commitment for three days. That's not difficult. Or a five-day plan on how to be anxious about nothing. Or a 30-day plan on facing addiction. Or a 52-day plan, um, which is a marriage devotional, which you can do with your spouse. Um, there was literally countless others. So if you need a plan, download the Bible app. Uh, if you want something more in-depth, like a Bible study book, let myself or Michael know. We can come up with some great resources. If you're not interested in a book study, watch Bible Project videos. We love Bible Project videos. We've talked about them many times. There's a video on every book of the Bible. Right before you're about to study, watch that one video, and it will help explain the entire text you're about to read. Uh, maybe there's uh, something you want to go deeper. There's videos on different themes of the Bible. There's videos on specific words of the Bible. So, read scripture. Uh, but the blessed man takes it one step further. He meditates on it day and night. And a really helpful analogy that I read about meditating on scripture, I came from Donald Whitney, who wrote a book on lots of spiritual disciplines, if you're interested. And he describes it that hearing God's word is um, like a cup of tea, all right? So imagine a tea bag, cup of water. So hearing God's word is just like dipping the tea bag once into the water. So some flavor is absorbed, but just not that much, right? And then taking it one step further, reading, studying, or even memorizing God's word is just like additional plunges of the tea bag into the tea. So the tea is going to obviously get more flavor and soak more, but not fully. You, you don't necessarily want to drink a cup of tea that has only had a tea bag dipped into it maybe four times. But meditating on God's word is like putting the whole tea bag into the bag and letting it soak until it's fully brewed. And that is where you can transform just a plain empty or plain clear cup of white water uh, just into this wonderful, rich, flavorful cup of tea. You get the idea, right? And he says that meditation on scripture is letting the Bible brew in the brain. And when we meditate on scripture, it actually colors our thinking about God and about God's ways and his world and about ourselves. I think that just goes back to that Romans 12, one and two. That's that 
reforming your mind, transforming your mind in the way of the Lord as we meditate on his scripture. And I actually would argue that we probably know how to meditate on scripture more than we think we do. Because sometimes when you think, meditate on scripture, okay, cool, cool, what does that mean? Do I sit in silence and just like look at the Bible for a long time? I don't know what meditating on scripture means. And I actually heard it said once that meditation dwells on truth but worry dwells on problems. And I think that we actually are much more used to that worry is dwelling on problems because it's really easy for us to, like, I have a problem and I can't stop thinking about it. I'm thinking about what's wrong. This is stressing me out. I'm going to try and dissect it. How can I solve it? Let me consider it from every angle. And honestly, the best way to solve that problem of worry is to flip the script and replace it with truth. The words that we can read are hidden on our hearts. And, and as much as I think, wow, I know my worries really well because they are present in my mind and they stress me out. What if we had that same familiarity and understanding with scripture as we've meditated on it so that instead of worrying, we can just redirect that to what we already know, which is in our hearts. So I would say if you're meditating, uh, pay attention to the words. That's like a really good way to start. Uh, It's easy to read scripture really quickly. And I have been in Bible studies and in classes where I've had someone say, like if you're reading scripture out loud, read it slower. And then I would read it slower and they would say, no, 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 even slower. Because you just read it and then you think, okay, well, I read it. I don't really know what that means and I'm just gonna move on. But when you read it, way slower than you think you should, different things start to stand out that you hadn't considered before. You can ask yourself questions like, okay, well, who is author writing to? What was going on in their world? What is maybe unexpected about these words? Like, oh, that's interesting. I would have thought that they, the author would have put this word, but they put this word instead. Okay, well, then maybe since this kind of stands out, let me consider that a little bit longer. Maybe what does that mean? Is there a purpose to that? Maybe look for repeated words, repeated patterns. That's how we just get to know scripture a lot more. So my challenge for you this week, pick a psalm, any psalm, there's lots of them, and meditate on it this week. Uh, I think psalms are great meditation literature. Just consider what would it look like if you woke up, read it in the morning, and then read it again at night, and you just did that every day this week. Or if you want, you could read it three or four times throughout your day. You could read it during your lunch break. You can read it. You think, wow, okay, I have 10 minutes. Let me just read it again. They're not long. It won't take very long. Or you can pick like the shortest psalm ever. You can do Psalm 1. There's only six verses. (laughs) Be an easy one to repeat uh, many times this week. And I would bet that every time you read it, something new would come up if you just paused it, considered it prayerfully asking, Lord, What can I consider and learn from you this time? How cool would it be if our whole church, this week, we meditated on one psalm all week? That would be really special. All right, and my last point. Establish deep roots in Christ. If we are trees, we need deep roots. And one thing to remember about deep roots is that it takes time. There are... uh, A lot of things that are required for a large tree to grow, but it is really ultimately a series of small steps 
and they leave to just, lead to just a lifetime of rewards. And so, um, one of, some of my favorite trees are down Kubler, right where Morningstar is. So if you can imagine, there's all of those lines of trees that are kind of on Morningstar's property, Kubler and 27th. If you can picture them, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I love these trees. These trees are some of the first trees to change color in the fall, and they are absolutely beautiful. I always think, it's time for fall. Those trees are changing color, specifically. I don't know why, I think they're just, I'm sure it's that kind of tree just changes color earlier. But, as you may know, they're developing the other side of Kubler right there, where the new Costco is, where the new Starbucks is, I love Starbucks, uh, where the new Chick-fil-A is going in, you know the, you know the place. Um, I don't know if you've noticed yet, but they planted trees, new trees, but they are very small, and they are very um, short and do not have deep roots. And I was just driving past those trees the other day, and I thought, oh man, what a like funny juxtaposition of these huge trees that are very well established, and then these tiny little trees. And I thought, but those tiny trees are going to be huge trees one day. It's just going to take some time. They just need to grow. And that is uh, something that I also have been considering. So as you may know, or may not know, I graduated from Western Seminary yesterday with my master's degree. Thank you. And um, so I got my degree in biblical and theological studies. And it is, um, I think without a doubt, the hardest thing I've ever done, ever spent my time and energy doing. And so, of course, with something big like that, you just do a lot of reflection. And I've been thinking through, you know, what are life lessons? I don't want to just, of course, I learned a lot of knowledge, but I also learned a lot about myself, and I don't want this to pass by without me kind of realizing any life lessons here. So one of the things uh, that I really feel like I learned was the importance of taking small steps because small steps lead to something great. And I, like when I think about getting a master's degree, I think like, how could you do that? How could you possibly do that? That takes so long, takes so much energy, so much time. And certainly there were times and weekends where I would spend all weekend working on this huge paper. But sometimes all I would have is a little bit of time to read like 20 pages. Maybe that's all I could handle, that's all that was um, mentally I could, really take, but I was thinking, man, but it was, that step was needed. I needed to take that small step, and I took a lot of small steps, and I took some big steps, but I took a lot of small steps, and now I have this degree. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have taken all of those really, really small steps. And uh, another lesson that I learned is that hard things take time. And I just think both of those things are so applicable when we consider this passage that, you know, in verse three, the tree yields its fruit in its season. So it's not always yielding fruit, it's not always um, maybe even thriving, but it will yield its fruit in its season, but it requires a lot of time. Those tiny trees on Kubler will someday be huge. Uh, and I just think following Jesus is so similar to this. It just means every day waking up and saying yes to Jesus, or even better yet, every moment deciding yes, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. 
And so in as much that it takes um, time, having deep roots in Christ also takes the right environment. Because we know that in verse three, uh, it says that the leaves do not wither. And the reason why this tree has so much strength is because it's planted in the Lord. Just like the trees would not wither in the garden and it produced good fruit, this tree is firmly planted by that river and sun river. (laughs) In John 4, verses 13 and 14, we read how Jesus is the living water. Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. The water that I give him will be come in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. This is the same idea of producing good fruit because your seed fell on good soil. This is also the wise man who built his house upon the rock and so it withstood a storm rather than the foolish man who built his house on the sand. These are trees firmly rooted, tapped into the source of life, withstanding trials and storms so that they produce good fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, as we just now take in uh, all these things that we've considered, um, I just want you guys to ponder tonight, you know, what's your takeaway? What are you gonna implement this week? So, if you would close your eyes, Um, I just have some questions for you to consider. Uh, Perhaps tonight you need to repent of your sin that you've just been dwelling in for a little too long. Or maybe you're just a little too quick to stand or sit in the seat of scoffers in this environment of wickedness, and that conviction is just... I need to keep moving. I don't want to dwell in that space. You don't want to be comfortable sticking around things that aren't good for you. Or maybe you just want to start reading scripture. Maybe you just haven't ever really read it or haven't had much of a rhythm reading it and you want to start. You maybe also have just been a faithful scripture reader, but it just hasn't ever sunk in really deep. And maybe your tea just hasn't been steeped that long. And so you wanna start meditating on scripture more. And you can read a psalm every morning and every evening this week. Or maybe you just realize that you wanna plant some deeper roots And it maybe is just recognizing that the small steps that you're taking do matter, to which that I say, remain faithful and keep doing it. Or maybe you're just planted in something, but it's not very rich soil, and you're not seeing the fruit. Maybe you're just planted in your own good works and morality, and you're just trying to be good enough for God. So replant in Jesus and come drink of the living water. Lord, again, we are so grateful for your word. 
We are grateful for how you love us uh, despite our shortcomings. Father, I'm sure we all could repent of something, our own sin or pride or distraction or apathy. So Lord, I ask that tonight, right now, we would just turn from those things, refocus our minds, refocus our hearts, and take a step towards you. And tonight, Lord, we have this wonderful opportunity to sing your truth, sing praises back to you as we declare who you are through song. So Father, I ask that we would be ready and willing to stand up, raise our voices, join together, and sing about your goodness, Father. We thank you for everything that your son did for us that allows us to come together and worship you. So be with us this week as we continue. In your name, amen.